The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power. Well, good evening and welcome to Big Footy Power podcast on your Monday evening. Tonight's proudly sponsored by New Vision. So hit up Rick for free tax returns this year and he'll look after you. I've got the great man on the line actually tonight, Rick, as well, who's filling in for Cam, who's uh, got other stuff on. A very good evening to you, Rick. Mate, what are you doing giving away free tax returns? I reckon. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it, mate. Sounds like a good deal, mate. And how do people find out about this great deal? Uh, just go to uh, go to the Facebook page and hit us up on Messenger uh, in the Facebook page. That's probably the easiest way at the moment. Uh, or uh, you can go to newvision.com.au uh, forward slash online dash bookings and you can book an appointment straight from there. But what about you, my friend? You've been you've been chewing a bit of fat lately. I have, I have, mate. I- I don't want to talk too much about <laughs> my show, but it, no, it's going very well for the people out there that are listening. Jump on the Chewing the Fat Facebook page and like our page. Uh, basically, every week I'm doing a different, different, or di- we have different people on the show and we talk about the AFL and everything that's been happening in the world of AFL and give our tips as well. Uh, it's been really good, actually, mate. Um, last week I had Phil Smythe and Rachel Spawn. Uh, if you told me 10 years ago I'd be sitting in between those two legends, seven Olympics between the two of them, uh, yeah, I'd be probably tell, I'd be telling the people that told me that that they must be off their rockets because I certainly can't believe it. But no, it's been awesome, mate. And yeah, we're looking forward to potentially Russell Ebert in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Yeah, that'd be great. I um, I was a massive Phil Smythe fan. He yeah. was a fantastic basketballer, great Adelaide 36ers coach, and uh, and a bit of a poor man as well too, isn't it? Oh, he's sort of, yeah, he's involved with different clubs now. He's involved with the Norwood Footy Club, doing a bit of mentoring there, and uh, sort of involved with Richmond. He's good mates with Damien Harwick. So he sort of spreads himself amongst a lot of different clubs. It's my view, but no, he's a great man, and yeah, just very down to earth. He couldn't meet a nicer bloke other than yourself, Rick, of course. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, he must be right up there then, if that's the case. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, it was an uh, interesting weekend of AFL. Of course, we had. The split round again with a few teams having a buy and only only the five games. But, yeah, some very interesting ones on the weekend. On Friday night, we'll talk about the power afterwards. But just wrapping up some of the other results, what about Thursday night? Essendon knocking off West Coast by 28 points. Not many people saw that one coming. I guess uh, no Darling and no Kennedy hurt West Coast a lot more than people expected, mate. Yeah, that was interesting because like, there was a few people on Big Footy that were saying... Um they were, they were sort of tipping West Coast for the win, and even with those two key forwards out, I was thinking, nah, no way, because their midfield was flying, but um, they were just off, weren't they? Yeah, it's I guess they've lost two in a row now. I mean, the Sydney game, they should have really won that. And actually, both games, funny enough, they, they won their inside 50s against the opposition, but didn't 
Um, you know, they kicked uh, six goals, 16 against the Bombers, and I can't remember the exact score against Sydney, but, yeah, very poor kicking at goal cost you. And, yeah, you know, it cost Port, obviously, in the final last year against West Coast. It just goes without saying that bad kicking is bad footy. Is this, um, so what do you think about West Coast, Bevan? Are they... Are they the real deal, or is there question marks now? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're still definitely around the mark. I mean, when they get Kennedy and Darling back, they're a different side, and um, they might they might lose against um, the Crows this week, but I think they're still definitely up there. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't write off the Eagles at all. I think they've still got a pretty damn good side. And like I said before, once they get those two boys back in, if they, they might lose a couple, couple of games, but if they're still you know around the top four, yeah, watch out for the Eagles. If they get a couple of home finals, they'll be very hard to beat over there. So I certainly wouldn't write them off at all. And, and there's still a good chance to beat the Crows this week because, of course, we know how unsettled they are at the moment with all their stuff that's going on with their injuries and their camp. But um, obviously, it's not a Crow show. We won't talk about them. But we'll move on to the next game. And that was the Hawks beating the Suns by 53 points. Interesting result because the Suns actually started pretty well. And at some stages, we thought maybe an upset was on the cards, but the Hawks ran away with it in the end thought that result was, um, Gold Coast would take that. I thought it was going to be a lot bigger margin, Rick. What did you think on that one? Uh, look, it's the Gold Coast are just Gold Coast and Stuart Jews in his first year and, and they're struggling really, aren't they? So, um, you know, what they'll score us for um, the two quarters and they're just not up to it. I guess I'm just a little bit disappointed. We probably didn't maximise our percentage against Gold Coast when we played them in China and yeah. There was one point that you didn't address with the Western and West Coast game just quickly. Will you be barracking for the Crows this week against West Coast? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, I guess, <laughs> yeah, because I, I suppose uh, it does have a bit of an effect on us, doesn't it? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so. I, I don't generally like to go for the Crows at all. But, um, yeah, no, I think I'll still go for West Coast. <laughs> what about you? Really? No, I'm- <laughs> Really? I'm happy to. Oh yeah, I'm happy to allow my allegiances uh, to drop <laughs> off just a little bit if it's in our best interest. So yeah. I'm happy to cheer on Richmond against Sydney this weekend and the Crows against West Coast. Cause, okay. Uh, yeah. I think I think that's much that opens up a, a top two spot for us if we keep winning and doing well. Yeah, but what about if the Crows beat West Coast and they're going to get up and about and think their season's still alive? We don't want to end up having to play them in the finals. No, that's all right. They'll get squashed the week after. <laughs> that's okay. All right. It'll be a, a short-lived euphoria for them, and then uh, and then they'll drop off when they lose to Richmond at the MCG the following week on a Friday night. <laughs> all right, I'm with you. Then I'll go for Richmond and go for the Crows this week. In that case, if it opens no, up, a, if it opens up a top two chance. <laughs> hey, uh, what about the game on? What about the game on Saturday night, mate? That turned out to be an absolute ripper. The Dogs, of course, pretty disappointing against us last week, but they were really good against the uh, the Roos. Well, talk about uh, turnaround and fortunes. They were, uh, they had pressure, they had intensity, they had everything that they didn't really show when they played us. It was quite a surprise. And again, uh, I was barracking for the doggies because uh, I thought it would have been a good little upset. And I tell you what, our boy Jacko, he sort of, uh, he plucked it at the end there. He probably, uh, he, he probably should have stayed on his man instead of trying to go for the ball and be a couple of seconds too late for it because. Uh, it gave them that spare man in offence uh, for North Melbourne, and that was enough to get the goal with, what, 20-odd seconds to go. Yeah, it was an amazing result. You probably sort of blame Wallace, I think, though, because he went for a stupid long pass that was never going to happen, and he could have just gone for a short pass and done the easy way, easy thing. But, yeah, that was 
Disappointing result for the Doggies. I'm with you. I wanted them to win as well. Um, you know, I think they deserved it. But anyway, that's footy for you. And they weren't able to get the job done. And speaking of not able to get the job, job done, GWS defeated Brisbane by 27 points. And we'll talk about Jeremy Cameron's big hit afterwards because that's going to certainly get him out of the... I think I had a bit of a holiday for at least five or six weeks. And um, Collingwood knocked off the Blues, of course, by 20 points. Probably a couple of predictable results. I'd, maybe Collingwood are expected to win by a bit more. What do you think of that one, Rick? Yeah, the Blues were, were pretty plucky considering their injuries before and during the game. Um, they were able to, um, they, were pretty, they were pretty much able to keep the intensity up. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, I thought it was okay. I mean, Cam O'Shea, 10 possessions, 9 flaggers, so <laughs> he, kept up his, he kept up his form from the Port Adelaide day. So uh, yeah, I wonder if they're going to bring Logie back for the big grudge match against Port this week. That's the... Uh, that's the interesting question. Yeah, is he, because he was injured, is he back playing for the Northern Blues now? I have no idea. I, I really don't care. Yeah. We might have to go to the power of Google while we're talking and uh, and uh, and check it out, and I'll, I'll see. But um, yeah. You'd hope so, especially no Dale Thomas as well now and potentially no Levi Casbolt and Cruiser injured himself as well. So, yeah, they've still got some good players. I, I really worry about the likes of Cripps and Kerno. Like, Charlie Kerno's an absolute gun, although Tommy Jonas, and again, we'll talk about that in a moment, isn't he just in some ripping form at the moment? So the battle between him and Kerno, or well, perhaps it might be Dougal Howard and Kerno, it's going to be a beauty anyway. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean... Uh... Obviously, as you probably know, she's American. Um, who's your favourite player? And I really had to uh, rack my brain on that. Who's my favourite player? I mean, we're so workmanlike at the moment. You know, I mean, you've got a bit of flair with Robbie Gray, but you know, and then afterwards, I was like Tom Jonas. I mean, I mean, it was great. He did a, you know, he, we're going to talk about Cameron shortly. You know, but he obviously had his hit with Daff a few years ago, which uh, ruled him out. But uh, well, last year, um, but. Uh, he's just so hard at the contest. Awesome bump on the weekend uh, legally. Um, yeah, he's just yeah, he's a general down there, and he's well, he's my height really, 188 centimeters, but he plays so much taller. Amazing. And so he's my favourite man at the moment. What a what a superstar. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd, I'd like to actually see him win our best and fairest this year. And I know it's not very common for defenders to win it, but I know Kenny loves him, and some of the obviously the coaches and the supporters do, so yeah, wouldn't that be great to see Tommy win the best and fairest? Oh, it would be amazing, and at the moment, he'd be right up there, a deserving winner. And, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen him, I was fortunate enough um, last year to get into the after the game in the change rooms, and uh, I was surprised. He is a big unit, like he, he's obviously hit the weights room, he must be a strong boy because uh, yeah, he's taken all before him, and uh, not bad for a rookie pick when he started. Oh, yeah, no, he's a great story. Yeah, no, absolutely spot on. And, yeah, he certainly has a, as a defender's All-Australian spot wrapped up nicely if he continues up this form, that's for sure. Um, I guess we'll talk about the game on Friday night now. And, yeah, I don't know about you, but I was a, I was a little bit worried going into the last time we were down by eight points. But I sort of had a funny feeling that we, because Melbourne hadn't made the most of their chances, that, that we could sort of run over them. And in the end, we did. But I'll tell you what, 
You can't give away inside 50s like this. We lost the inside 50 count, 68 to 39. Um, again, that just shows how good our defence was. But you can't afford to give away that sort of inside 50 count in finals and you know against the good sides. We were pretty lucky on that occasion. Well, we lost the final last year, Bevo, to um, in the same manner. We had the dominant inside 50 count, and I think I think what it's coming down to now, I think modern football has changed, and it's I think it's how you allow the 50 to come in, and so. You know, Port Adelaide's play now is very conservative, so you find that the half-back flankers are holding their line and they're not really running forward out of position. Um, so it allows the structure of the defence to hold its shape and not necessarily be pulled apart. And so I think that's how we can get the volume of inside 50s against us but not be exposed on the scoreboard. And it's a little bit worrying that we've had a couple of bursts where you know, Melbourne especially was able to get a couple of run-ons multiple times, but you know, we kept them scoreless in the last quarter. Um, and for me personally, I thought it was a game of two halves. You know, for a quarter and a half, Melbourne really had the momentum. And uh, But I never, I never, even though when they had the momentum, it wasn't like, oh, geez, I think they're going to blow this game apart. You know, we were just sort of able to wrestle control. And then, and then uh, yeah, after halfway through this first quarter, second quarter, you could see that the momentum was shifting coming into half time, and uh, I was uh, I was pretty confident. Yeah, yeah, you spot on. And one of the other things as well, though, the contested possessions we also lost 177 to 158. So it just again just shows that it's not always about the statistics, and you know, quite often, obviously, you know, normally 90 percent of the time if you win the contested possessions and and the clearances, which we also lost. Um, obviously, Maxi Gorn had a pretty big play in that. 53 the hit outs to 40 with Ryder. Um, but yeah, I guess again, again, it shows that it's not always about statistics. It's whatever team wins at the end of the day. And, and Portland made, made the most of their chances and showed that they really are a top four contender this year now because last year, and it's probably warranted because we couldn't really beat the top eight side. We buried the, the bottom sides. But this year we've now beaten Melbourne, Richmond, Sydney, the Crows, who obviously this year they struggled with their injuries, but they're no doubt a contender um, otherwise. And also, so Sydney, the Crows, Richmond, Melbourne, and the Kangaroos, that's a pretty damn good effort, I reckon. And obviously, we've lost the West Coast and Essendon. They were probably a couple of our four games this year. But I reckon we're playing some pretty damn good footy. And the, the good thing is that we can get better as well. So, And we've got a good run home. We've got the Saints and the Blues, two very winnable games in the next couple of weeks. So we're a chance to finish in the top two if things go our, our way, Rick. Absolutely, my friend. It- you know, if you told me this at the end of the West Coast game last year, you know, I would have taken in a heartbeat because what was happening, 15 to 17, we were just choking under those high-pressure games, losing by that 8 to 10 point margin repeatedly, and uh, the boys have really been able to tweak it just that little bit more, so turning the results around, <laughs> excuse me, and people, you know, and everyone's, football's a funny thing, everyone's got to find a reason. You know, or Richmond didn't have Martin, or someone didn't have this, or whatever. You know, end of the day, we won. They did it, and you know, five and six against the uh, top teams, and really, we probably should have beaten Hawthorne too. That's right. You know, we, you know, that was a very controversial game, that one. So, uh, look, uh, we're on the right path, and I'm with you, man. I think people are talking about top four, but you know, it's good. I think with the the couple of fixtures coming up, there's definitely a top two opportunity on the cards if we can keep winning. That would just be incredible. And we know, 
you know, how much top two means because that means two potential home finals at home. And in finals, that's just critical. We saw last year with the Crows having their two home finals at Adelaide Oval, winning both of those, and you know, makes it a hell, hell of a lot easier getting through the grand final in that situation. Absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, if, if West Coast does still finish in the top four, uh, even though they've had a superb record here at Adelaide, um, you know, you'd want to you'd want to be really playing at Adelaide rather than over in Perth. <laughs> Definitely. So, you know, top, you know, top two is fundamentally important if we can get it. You know, if we're in that top four and there's an opportunity, and you know, we keep we've been taking our opportunities, so hopefully uh, we can continue to do so. Yeah, most definitely. And um, just talking about the game from Friday night, there was a lot of contributors, obviously. But what about Power Peps? Record for the club was 17 tackles, and to go with his 16 disposals as well. He just hasn't missed a beat, has he, since he came back into the side? He's hungry, isn't he? Doesn't he? Doesn't he love that hard stuff? Yeah. He just craves it. He craves the body contact. He, he loves the niggle. Um, you know, I think uh, he reminds me of uh, a modern, well, he's completely different in physique and everything, but character-wise, he reminds me of Josh Carr. Yes. You know, he, just, he just loves that in and under. He loves the push and shove. He loves the niggle. He loves to give it. He's got that bit of fieriness about him. And, you know, and, a, and a, I'm not going to say it's an indictment on our players, but I think it's a, it's more so... A credit to Sam that you know for a twenty-year-old, you know, second-year player, that he can lift his teammates with his aggression is just astounding for such a young player. I mean, it's huge, and you know, we're very lucky that he fell to our draft pick and we had the courage uh, to pick him because, so, yeah, he's yeah he's gonna he's gonna be up there with Dusty as a, a bit of an, a midfield intimidator, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, spot on. I mean, obviously, he had that sort of drama earlier on in the year, but let's hope that's the that's the end of that, you know, sort of thing. But a lot of players go through it. Yeah, you mentioned Dusty, he he's had his dramas on and off the field as well. And we've seen, you know, Dugowie from Collingwood have a couple of dramas as well. And we see how good he's been playing footy since he's come back into the Collingwood side. So yeah, all all young players not all young players, but lots of them go through these sort of situations. It's just a matter of getting through it and, you know, turning things around. And yeah, let's hope that we can just keep on seeing how good this guy is. And, yeah, you just never know. If he keeps on playing the footy he is at the moment, he's got a long career ahead of him. He could be a Brownlee medalist one day. Who knows? I mean, Port Adelaide's always sucked at polling at the Brownlow medal. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Trent Ray was robbed in 04 or 05 or whatever it was. And, you know, Wangers probably should have gone close to 1 or 12. But, uh, yeah, he'd be right up there. And look, it wouldn't surprise me if Ollie, I mean, I'm sure you're going to get to him. But, uh you know, Ollie and Sam in the midfield oh. as two prime extractors of the ball. I just, you know, it's an amazing, amazing luxury that we have at the moment. It is, it is absolutely awesome, and it's amazing to think that Evo and Boak pretty much um, can't get a gig in our midfield at the moment. They're playing up forward or different positions around the ground, but they obviously still they're not having the same contribution they used to have because they're sort of taking a, deep, a backward step from some of these other boys. Like obviously you've got Rockliffe in there now, and Mots as well. Um, so, but I think it's the, they're still playing their roles, though, aren't they? We saw, you know, some people have sort of said that Bogey's like slowing down and not the same player he used to be. But I still think he he makes a good contribution. And Ebo, we saw him on on Friday night with those two goals and in his 150th game. But off the ground, he's got uh, bandages all over himself, which he happens almost happens every week, I reckon, to Ebo. But yeah, those two guys are still absolutely instrumental in, you know, our premiership chances this year, don't you think, Rick? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, they provide experience, and I've been a bit critical of Travis at time, from time to time uh, from his from his ball use and disposal. But um, you know, look, there. I guess that's good. I mean, in business, we say if you're not growing, you're dying, and I think <laughs> it's the same as a football team, right? If you're not evolving your players and new players stepping up and putting pressure and forcing the older ones out, well, it's the same thing. You know, you become a cult, right? Exactly. Um, and so it's a good thing that, you know, Chad Wingard's stepping up, and, and it's a good thing that Sam Powerpepper's come into the system, um, you know, and even Stephen Motlop's come in and, and providing that chop out in the midfield, and it allows these guys to do other roles. I mean, I've been banging on about it for a while. I'd love with Evers overhead marking, for example, for him to evolve into like that mobile centre-half forward type. Yeah. Um, because, because he's just so good with his overhead marking. He uh, is, yeah. You know, it wouldn't be a full-time role, but I mean, it's not that, I mean, in modern football, there isn't really a full forward and a centre-half forward anymore, is there? There's six forwards and six defenders, but um, yeah, but I mean, if we want to talk about marking too, what about, what about that last passage of play? Oh, that was one, amazing. One minute to go, four <laughs> contested marks in a row. Um, how how good was that? Oh, that was yeah, that was amazing. Actually, I must admit, Ollie has got a great great pair of hands as a yeah as a midfielder as well, and we kind of forget that how tall he is. <laughs> you know, like he's back in the day, he would have been almost a ruckman, but now he's just a, a every, like a midfielder, like the same kind of height as what Cripps and Fife are. It's just Again, you just what you just mentioned before, the game has just changed and evolved so much now that we're seeing all these guys who generally could play key position, but they're actually playing as midfielders. It's just amazing, isn't yeah. it? Well, we were smart. You know, in that last minute, we were smart. You know, I mean, obviously, Ollie, that's a set play we've got now. Ollie's one of the go-to guys from the kick-in on the boundary, and he's doing, he's doing a week-in, week-out, taking that mark down, but... You know, he, he then hit up Dixon, and then Dixon was clever because he held on to his kick. Because I was watching the play, and you could see Ryder running down the, the wing. He waited in time for Ryder to get be able to get to that impact point before he uh, before he kicked it. And then again, right, and then Ollie's run, you know, right at the end of the game, to run that 100 metres down the flank to, to be that last target. I mean, you know, the boys have got a strong will to win, and it's great to see. Yes. The previous seasons we've sort of rolled over probably a little bit meekly at times. Yeah, you're 100% spot on. And, yeah, Ollie's just taken his game to another level. And I know you mentioned before about how you know, we don't go too well when it comes to the brown load, but there's probably three weeks in a row now that he's almost going to get maximum votes, I reckon. And he's had a couple other really good games. So if he keeps this form up, he could be a dark horse for the brown load as well this year. Well, you'd think so. I mean, some of, some, some of my friends were saying they thought, Jack Viney will probably get three votes. Um, I actually thought Brayshaw wearing the helmet. Yeah, he was, was amazing. He was he was very he good. Was amazing. Yeah, oh, he was a, he was great at the clearances. So you know, I reckon those two might steal some votes <laughs> from our boys this game because I guess you know they they're going to stand out because they did dominate. Um, you know, and it was interesting how they were able to dominate around that midfield. You know, they really they really sat tight and congested our inside midfielders, but. Yeah, we were able to you know, to break free and get on top. And yeah, did you love Jonas's uh, fair hit on McDonald? Oh, that was yeah, that was magnificent. And yeah, I just um, I can't believe his game. Twenty disposals and eleven marks playing defence. He just uses the ball so well. He just uh, he hardly ever burns it, does he? 
I guess the elephant in the room, though, is uh, Jasper Pittard. Yeah. I've been the, the main advocate for, and sort of I'm sort of swaying now, like, you know, I, but there's still a lot of diehard fans that believe Jasper deserves a spot in, his, in the side, but I'm thinking his form's been pretty shaky since he's come back. Yeah. I mean, he took that great mark the other week in front of Rewalt to sort of help us win the game against Richmond, but, yeah, he's... He doesn't, doesn't seem the same player he used to be. And I'll tell you what, Jack Trengo can't be too far away at all. He's having an awesome year for the Maggies and probably probably will win our best and fairest the way he's going and maybe even the Gary medal as well. He's having a blinder. So, yeah, I don't think I don't think he's too far away from the spot and maybe even this week against the Blues, a good chance to, to give Trengo the game. What do you think about that yeah, one? Would, would you replace Trengo for um, Jasper Pittard though? Is that... I mean, Trengo is really a midfielder, isn't it? And so he's sort of down in that pecking order with the uh, the prime midfielders. But yeah. I mean, I'd love to see. It'd be a great story to see him play. Um, my suggestion with the with the ins and outs was probably um, I've read a story that it, it's not actually worth resting Paddy Ryder with his Achilles. But Dixon looked a little bit lame on on Friday night, and so my suggestion was, um, you know. Rest Dixon for one game and bring bring in Billy Frampton. Oh yeah. Uh, to just try just to trial him and push Ryder more forward. So maybe Ryder would spend sixty percent game time forward. So he replaces Dicko as our key forward and give uh, Frampton some backup rock rock opportunity. And uh, you know, I don't obviously if he's getting beaten too dominantly by Carlton, whoever it's going to be, well then obviously we still got. Still got Ryder there, but uh, a few fans don't like that idea. Uh, they think we uh, shouldn't be messing with Carlton, and uh, they've always got the number on us like, over in the MCG, and we should just be playing our strongest, fittest side and just see what happens. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I agree with the, the others as well, because her record against Carlton in Melbourne, we've actually lost the last two games, believe it or not. Once that Eddie had, and once at the MCG, both close ones. So, yeah, I wouldn't be... And we saw some pretty good signs for the Blues yesterday, so I certainly wouldn't be um, going into this game being complacent, that's for sure. Yeah, but they won at any hand, we were screwed. The umpires robbed us. <laughs> that was the one where the, um, the umpire marked the ball. And then I think they screwed over Sammy Cahoon as well. Uh, wouldn't let him play on from a mark or something when he kicked it to a poor player. Yeah. Uh, told him, you know, and so... Uh, and Amon. Was the game, I reckon, Bryce... Bryce Gibbs knocked out Robbie Gray at halftime in a swing tackle. No, that was at the MCG. This one was at this. Was, yeah, this one was at Eddie had. This is a game when Cruiser kicked the winning goal and um, Amon got chased, got run down in the dying minutes of the game. Remember that one? Um, I must have repressed that from my memory. For yeah, 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 yeah. No, so the last couple of times we beat, we smashed last year in Adelaide, but yeah, in Melbourne it's it's been a bit bit of a worry. So yeah, I wouldn't nah, be going. We're gonna, we're gonna smash it. Don't but, worry about. Hope so, hope so. But hey, what do you think about Toddy Marshall? I mean, he oh, he got obviously pretty hard hard hit in that first quarter, and it seemed to daze him a bit for the rest of the game. Some people calling for Watts to come back in and Toddy to come back or go back to Magpies, Magpies and get a bit of form. But I think I think give Toddy another week because it'd be good to play against a side that's not as good as Melbourne, as in the, like the Blues. He might be able to snag a few goals and get some confidence up and. I reckon give Jack Watts a couple more weeks in the SNFL to build some confidence up as well. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I think uh, my personal opinion is I'd keep Marshall in. I think he was getting himself in the right spots. 
little bit unlucky, especially that mark in the last. You know, he, he actually took a match-saving mark in defence. Um, it's just that the umpire didn't pay it, which was the wrong call. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, I would, I would definitely be persisting with him against an easier opposition. Uh, we know what we're going to get from Jack Watts, and, I, and I'm sure there'll be an opportunity for Jack to, uh, to come in. I guess if Todd can't bring some form to the table over the next two weeks, um, well, there's a great story to go, okay, well, look, we've given you a runner for you know, a couple of tough games. We've had a couple of weaker games. Um, we're going to give you a rest, go back, work on this, and we'll give Jack another go. And, I mean, that's the great luxury now. You know, yeah. We've got depth in forwards. You know, we've got Dixon, we've got Westoff. Westoff, who had a bit of a crazy game, he missed a couple of shockers. Um, Burn Chad in the last and tried that <laughs> check side goal for a point. Um, but then ended up kicking the sealer. I mean, yeah. Justin was just all, he was all over the place on uh, on Friday night. But That's yeah, Westy, isn't it? So, <laughs> I've, been, I've been one of Justin's biggest critics yeah. over the years. And, and I've advocated trading him for quite some time, arguing that he sort of throws our structure off. Um, yeah, because we carry him as a, a tall, but he plays as a small, and so we've we've been caught up playing one less tall than we needed. But well, I've got to give him credit. This year he's been he's been everywhere, and he's been very uh, influential in his play compared and his intensity. I think that's the key for me with Justin. His intensity seems to be a hundred percent all the time, which is very foreign for Justin. And I mean, geez, he, he reminds me like uh, at the moment now of like. Michael Tuck for Hawthorne. I'm not saying he's <laughs> as good as Michael Tuck, but yeah, either way he's going, maybe he'll play to 40. He's looking, he's looking great. He is playing fantastic, you're right. And yeah, that, it's funny you mention that because at times last year I thought he was a bit lazy as well and he frustrated me, but um, I've always been a big fan of him because I think he always ha- makes a contribution, but he does come across sometimes as being a bit lazy, but I think this year he's having a really good year and probably having his best year, I reckon, for the, for the club and maybe a, a chance to at least finish our top five best and fairest anyway, if not win it, at the, way, at the way he's going at the moment. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, well, we've got Jonas at top. We've got Ollie Wines up there. We've got Sam Powell Peppel up there. So we're chucking Justin Westhoff up there. Robbie Gray. We need, we need to find one more. Maybe Robbie Gray. There's, yeah. there's our top five for the BNF. Yeah. No, I reckon I reckon that's pretty close to the mark at the moment, but still a long way to go, of course. But, so what do, you, yeah. what do you think about... Is your concern at the moment our forwards or our midfield? Yeah, I, I think our forwards is a concern. Dixon was so good last year, um, but he's just... I know he, he tries his hardest, but and sometimes the delivery into him doesn't help the situation, but I don't know what it is, but this year he's struggling. He hasn't kicked all the goals that he kicked last year. I don't know whether it's because defenders are double-teaming him more or manning up on him more than what they did last year, but... Yeah, it's just, I don't know about a forward line. Obviously, Robbie Gray's been chipping in with goals. Sam Gray, um, he's been struggling a little bit the last few weeks. I'm still keeping him there because he's so important for our side. But, yeah, our forward line is probably our weakest line at the moment. Our, our midfield's awesome. Our defence is amazing. But, yeah, our forward line is a bit of a concern. And um, we need to be kicking more goals, especially with the inside 50s that we get in there. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. I think it comes back to what I was saying before about, um, yeah, I think we're a little bit more conservative with our defensive unit and positioning now. So um, I think that what that has definitely done is affected our offensive 
run, but with the advantage being that it's not leaving the holes in our defensive unit. And I think someone like Dixon now has sort of struggled from that. Uh, obviously, playing in the ruck has sort of uh, obviously affected him a bit more as well, but I've, I've been finding like he, he sort of played a little bit more rucking um, as well on the weekend, and uh, I thought he was influential when he got into the ruck too. Yes, look, maybe we could we could like see Dixon more in the ruck and put right up forward a bit more to rest his Achilles, but I don't know, I've, I've heard the writer doesn't like playing up forward, so yeah, who knows what will happen there. Ryder doesn't like playing forward. That's what I've heard. Yeah, that's what. Maybe because he doesn't sort of get involved in the game as much as when he's in the ruck, but I think he actually plays pretty well up forward. Yeah, I think he's great up forward. He's, uh, he's got a natural lead and takes a good mark and kicks a good goal. He, uh, why wouldn't he want to be up there? But he's a typical ruckman, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Wants to spend a hundred time, hundred minutes, or hundred percent on the ground, and just roving around and, and all that sort of stuff. Right. And the one controversial topic that we didn't talk about, which we said we were, was um, Jeremy Cameron smashing the face of hey, what is it? Hey, uh, Andrews. Uh, Harris Harris Andrews, the young fella from Brisbane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was um, that was nasty, and apparently now he's got um brain so bleeding on the brain, which is very scary. So. Yeah, that was a that was a nasty hit, and I mean Cameron, he he came out afterwards and said that you know he's a hard, he goes hard at the ball, and it wasn't his intention to you know elbow him in the head, but the fact is he did it, and he's done something similar in the past, so he's obviously a bit like Tommy, I suppose, like with the hit on Gaff, he's he's got to look at a way, still still be an aggressive player, but somehow cur- curb his aggression so that. It's done in a different kind of way. Otherwise, you know, because this could potentially cost the Giants a finals berth now because we, he's so important to them and they're not in the eight at the moment. And it's going to put a lot of pressure now on the guys like Jer- uh, Jonathan Patton and Rory Lobb. These sort of blokes are going to now have to stand up and kick goals for them. So, it's yeah, it's a, it's a huge one. How many weeks do you think he'll get, Rick? Oh, mate, look, I'm, I'm a big one. a lot more severe uh, than Tom Jones. I mean, that player, I think, just sat out the game and I don't even think he had concussion to eat gap. But anyway, um, he has to get a minimum of six, but I'd be saying potentially eight games. I mean, breeding on the, bleeding on the brain is uh, no joke and, uh, you know, it's a severe injury. It was a severe impact and, you know, he, he intentionally did it, regardless of whether someone like Hornsey wants to argue it was instinctive, he intentionally raised his elbow, and I think he has to miss the rest of the season, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, big call. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if he'll get that much, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking he might get six. But eight, eight to eight. Really? Yeah, I think, I'm thinking five or six, but yeah, eight would be, that would be huge. So uh, that'd be a big statement, but yeah, it certainly wasn't a good look, that's for sure. But to Cameron's credit, he did go up and apologise to Andrews after the game, and he was he was very remorseful. So, you know, no doubt he's he probably feels pretty bad. Yeah, I see Ian Bagger Hawley coming from Bagger Lolly, so I go over and hit in the face, steal the lollies, eat them, and then afterwards go. Sorry, I was uh, building. I needed something to eat, but uh, (laughs) I 
the damage is done. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, he's getting a bit of a reputation now for being a bit of a sniper. So, um, yeah, I think he's got to he's got to suffer. And uh, I, I just gonna, you know, the impact is much more severe than what Jadis did, and he got six. I uh, thought I think definitely eight, but who knows? What do I know? Exactly. Who we'll knows? See. We'll soon find out. Who knows what the heck goes on at the tribunal, mate? Because uh, it's anyone's guess. <laughs> like one week it's okay to touch an umpire, the next week it's not, and you know, like, oh, anyway, it's just we could go on all day about it, couldn't we? Absolutely. <laughs> and look, until they bring in precedents, it's going to be a farce. Yeah. Why they don't bring it, why they don't use precedents, I don't understand. And I think someone showed a on Facebook or something a tweet from Tom Jonas saying, you know. You know, if only they used a thing called precedents, you know. I mean, you know, every sport, every court, you know, they use precedents as an example. Well, this person did this and got this. This is what you should get. Why the AFL won't do it, I don't know. It would make their decision a lot more a lot more easy. But anyway, we'll soon find out, and I guess I'll give a talking point for the, for the rest of the week. Yeah, 100%. Now, I want to talk about the umpires on Friday night, mate, and... I actually feel as though I actually think the umpires don't know the rules and they're generally confused because there was a couple of times where there were just blatantly obvious decisions that Blind Freddy could see that it was like a clear hold of the ball. I can't remember who it was in the last term, but there was a Melbourne player that was ran down from behind, had plenty of time to you know get rid of the ball and was a perfect tackle by the power player and wasn't rewarded for it. And there was other occasions where, like you said, there was marks that would taken clearly but they were you know not given to us I think Sam Gray took one maybe the first or second quarter that was a clear mark and I, I don't know I just don't think the umpires know the rules or they're just confused by all these bloody rule changes so yeah the game's in a bit of a bit of trouble I think and I don't know whether all these things about bringing in zones and other things is going to fix the game probably best just to leave it and let it evolve but yeah I don't know what's your take on it Rick? I think I think the I think we're becoming a little bit paranoid. I'm gonna be a bit controversial here. Yeah. As a supporter group, I think we're becoming a little bit paranoid about the umpires. We need to let it go a little bit. You know, I, I went to the bathroom at three quarter time and there was a guy just swearing consistently, psychotically for like a minute. Uh, you know, about the umpires using every bad word under the sun. Um, when I watched the replay I could see how they came to probably 90% of their decisions. Now, you know, they, they did shortchange Marshall with a 50-metre penalty distance-wise, but then they were probably generous with Westhoff with a 50-metre as well. Um, you know, the only thing, if you, we really want to nitpick on the umpiring, I thought Melbourne was really, really clever, and the umpires didn't get away with it. Of if they suspected they were going to be tackled, they sort of just let go of the ball instead of holding on to the ball, um, which was something Hawthorne used to do and probably still do, um, to not get paid holding the ball. Now, if the umpire did that a couple of times, well, then they probably wouldn't have done it the whole game. So, you know, they just sort of dropped the laid an egg and, and, uh, and got away with that sort of behaviour. That was a little bit frustrating. But, you know, when I watched the replay, most of the free kicks that they awarded, you know, were there or looked like they were there. Um, you know, and it's easy for us in the stands and watching TVs and replays to, you know, to uh, to be very analytical and, and go over the top about the, 
free kicks and stuff. But, you know, they're in the heat of the moment. But I do think four umpires is just ridiculous. Yeah. They need four. Yeah. And, you know, the way the game's going, I even wonder if they only need two. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, the game's actually slowing down. Like, with the role, it's, it's, it's coming back to its original roots, which was AFL was more from rugby union. Right? And we seem to be going back to this rolling ball. Um, you know, with mass numbers around the ball and, um, you know, and then defensive structures and offensive structures around that 50 metre arc of the ball. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm with you. Just let the game play out and as supporters, just enjoy the game, enjoy the theatre and, you know, just accept the fact that the AFL was probably the most fabricated competition in the world outside of the WWE. That's how I... That's how I rationalise. <laughs> it's a fair, yeah, it's a very fair point. I think um, yeah. you, you have to look at the game back in 2014. I still still hurts and we lost to Hawthorne and there was that last minute oh. where some, we got completely robbed by the umpires that, yeah, happens to the Crows in the same situation in 2012 or 2013 and also against Hawthorne. So, hashtag free kick Hawthorne. <laughs> yeah. hey, well, you know what, man? That last minute of the Hawthorne preliminary final, we were all gutted. But there's, there was no guarantee that we were still going to execute with that. That's true. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, if they jumped on the ball, hatched an egg, should have been holding the ball. Tommy Jonas shouldn't have been holding the ball. It is what it is. You know, it, it was done. You know, if we kicked 10 goals in the first quarter instead of one goal nine or whatever stupid thing it was. Yes. Remember, yes. You know, we, we would have been player. I mean, we, we dominate. We didn't put ourselves into a position to win. Yeah, and that was the problem. That's a, that's a that's a bloody good way of looking at it. I like it, Rick. That's a very diplomatic. Maybe there needs to be more port supporters like yourself because I sit with the poor cheer squad, and yeah, that um, some of them do you know, go off at the umpires a bit. And I try. I'm a bit like yourself. I look at look at the game sometimes and think, oh no, that was a fair decision. Like, don't boo the umpire. That was fair, you know. Like, but then there was situations that. Yeah, do frustrate you where there was a clear, and I don't know what's going on with that, with that the rule about the, um, the what's the word the priority no not priority um, with with tackles and stuff like that. Sometimes you get more opportunities to get rid of the ball than others, and yeah, I don't know that that's that's something that confuses me. And I, I think that the thing that frustrates fans is the inconsistency of decisions. But again, it's just the way it is, and and like I said, you can't always blame the umpires. Generally, like when when you give away what we give away, something like 68 uh, with my stats, um, 68 to 39 inside 50s. If we'd lost that game, that would have been because of that and losing the clearances and the contested possessions. <laughs> the umpire is maybe five percent of it, you know. Like you can't really blame the umpires for losing a game of footy. Well, you become self-entitled, right? Where's my 50? Where's our 50? I want another 50. <laughs> Where's the free kick? Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Let's go down to Sydney. I want to. Check, you know, <laughs> some more money, give me some more family tax benefit. You know, just the players just need to get in there, earn the win the ball, earn the free kick the hard way. Um, you know, Robbie Gray's probably the hardest one hard done by because I mean he gets ridden, punched in the head, whatever, and they, <laughs> they refuse to, to give the poor guy a free kick half the time. But uh, look, we're getting there, we're building. We are we're building. Yeah. But on big footy I posted up uh, a thread to say the podcast is on tonight. 
Oh, well done. And so I've, a few of the fans have asked some questions for us. Oh, Are brilliant, ready? brilliant, yes. So Andre has asked, and I think we've spoken about this, so yeah. He wants to know how many weeks will Cameron get for his dog act on Andrews, and what would be the poor tax added if it was one of our players? <laughs> we spoke about, about that. If it was Lizzie Thomas or Tom Jonas, I think they'd be out for two years. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I'd probably, probably ten weeks, I'd say. <laughs> ten weeks? Uh, ten, ten, ten weeks. So, yeah. Because yeah, I. Because they do look into the previous record, so hey, maybe it might be onto something there. Maybe it might be eight weeks because uh, because of his bad record. Because they do look at that, don't they? I think they stopped doing that now. Ah. I, I read something somewhere where they said they don't take their prior history into it anymore. But I don't know. He just like, I'm just going on top James got six. That was much more impactful than top. Uh, it should it should at least be eight weeks, and that takes them out way out from our game, which is an additional benefit as well. Um, <laughs> Nelson051 wants to know thoughts on Koshy's comments pre-game. Did you hear about that? I didn't actually, mate. What happened? Um, so I think some of the supporters were not happy that Koshy made reference to um, Port as being a little blue-collar cop still. And uh, they think that's a bit demeaning, and we've moved past past that. Uh, you know, we're, and we should be talking ourselves up more rather than trying to fly under the radar and talk ourselves down. Yeah, that's a fair. What's your thoughts? Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, you now look at what we're doing over there in China, and that's definitely not what a blue collar club does. A blue collar club is more like, in my opinion, like a Western Bulldogs or like a shinboned club like the Kangaroos or St Kilda. You know, they're they're struggling. I think Port's actually definitely not a blue, blue collar club anymore, and they've, the, you know, the on field and, and off field success that they've been having the last couple of years, and you know, these guys that we're starting to get at the club, you know, Stephen May from the Gold Coast now wants to come here next year. That's that to me tells me that we're heading in the right direction. We've obviously picked up Watts, Lindsay Thomas, McKenzie, um, Rockcliffe, and Jack Tringo this year. If we were a blue collar club, we wouldn't be getting these sort of guys coming to our club. Yes, back in the day, there were situations where, okay, there were the tarps and we were known as a bit of a basket case. And um, I used to have teams to get support. I still do now. And I remember going to the games and thinking, oh, man, 15,000 people at Footy Park, this is just rubbish. But And we were playing rubbish footy. But to Kosh's credit and to Keith Thomas's credit, we've turned this club around now. And I find that a bit strange that Kosh said that because if anyone, you know, he should – not be saying that because he's one of the ones that's turned this club into not a blue-collar club and, you know, we're heading in the right direction and we're becoming one of the more successful clubs now. You look at our numbers compared to what we were at Footy Park and I think Timmy Ginevra said high 50s or early 60s, I don't know off the top of my head, but we're certainly doing pretty well with the membership numbers and we've got 40,000 against the Ds. Now, the Ds don't have the biggest supporter group. If that was Richmond's or Essendon on a Friday night, I reckon we probably would have got forty-five or 50,000. And again, you've got to remember as well, there's a lot of people coming down from the country. But I think 40,000 is a pretty good crowd. And I think, yeah, I actually agree with, was it Nelson that said that? Yeah, I don't think we are a blue collar club. What are your, th- what's your thoughts on it, Rick? No, I don't think we need to play. I like, well, I, I've always liked to be more aggressive. 
impressive. Believe in yourself. You know, I'm flying under the radar is a bit of a cop out for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like if you're top, you want to be top. That's where you want to be. Like, I want to be the best person I can be. I want to have the best business I can be. And when I played sport, no matter what level, I want to win, right? And I want to feel pumped up. And, you know, I don't want to be meek. I want to be respectful. I get it, you know. But uh, I think, yeah, we've moved past it, you know. But, you know what, Koshy's Koshy's got a tough kick. He's a media personality. Everything he says is being analysed and interpreted and misinterpreted and and all that sort of stuff. And when you talk so much, um, you know, you're going, to, you're going to say something that someone's not going to like at a certain time. So, you know, I mean, he's been great for the club and he's been instrumental in our rise, uh, you know, and building a great board and a great culture along with KT. And, you know, I think uh, I think we should all be very grateful that David's uh, done what he's done for the Port Adelaide Football Club because it's a massive uh, sacrifice. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I think he's done a fantastic job. And, yeah, him and KT should definitely be commended and, Obviously, they've had the faith in, in Kenny, whereas others said we probably should have gone for someone else. Um, you know, And now we're starting to see that he's a good coach and he's got some good assistants around him. And I think the club's definitely one of the best positions it's been in probably since around the early 2000s when we were having that success, you know, the 2004 Premiership and those couple of years where he finished the minor Premier. Um, probably should have won a couple more Premierships, but it's a different story altogether. But, yeah, I think the club's in a really good position at the moment. So look what I've turned you into, Bevo. You were, you were worried that you would have a half an hour of content. <laughs> we're, we're into our 50th minute. It's strong, mate. I know. So, it's, uh, it's very good. Very good, mate. I was, uh, yeah, very impressed. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to be mindful of the time because, like I said to you, uh, my favorite, one of my favourite reality TV shows is coming up at 9 o'clock, the First Dates Australia. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got to be mindful that we're switching off by 9 because I've got to... Gotta get that in before bed. Andre asked another question. Yes. Um, so as I was saying to you, like everyone knows everything about me. I'm a, uh, I'm an open book. Um, so uh, he said, now that I'm a Buddhist vegan, um, which is true, except for the vegan, I'm vegetarian, not vegan. <laughs> yes. Do you enjoy the big bumps and tackles, Rick? And if so, do you feel hypocritical afterwards? <laughs> oh no, because it's their karma. I do. I do. Uh, I don't like saying. Right, yeah. You know, I appreciate I appreciated Tom Jones' big hit on McDonald, but I don't want, I don't want to see McDonald wiped out and uh, and I guess I don't you know, so, I know this if we go back to the umpires and the supporters and stuff like I mean we've got as supporters we're, we're surrounded by children at the footy and we've got to think about what we're saying. I don't want to be too moralistic here, but you know, I had a guy in front of me going, you know, Westoff, if you can't kick this you should go and off yourself. Oh right? what? I mean that's, I mean, we're, we're supposed to be supporting our players and not abusing our players, you know? And, I mean, fortunately, Justin wouldn't have heard that comment but from where I was sitting, but it's, it's not the point. I mean, kids can hear it, you know, people can be easily offended and, you know, we just need to chill out and just enjoy the game and enjoy the theatre and support the team. And, and so to answer Andre's question, uh, you know, people do what they do, and you know, I think you can rationalise it. Like, if you need to eat, uh, you can eat meat, right? You can kill an animal to eat meat, right? Because you've got to eat something. That's right. Uh, yeah. AFL players, it's their job. They're paid to eat people, and yeah. 
so it's all good. I enjoy it. I still enjoy the big game, Andre, and I, uh, I still enjoy a bit of cheese, just not the meat. But, uh, <laughs> well, do you know... Yeah, once you go... Yeah. No, I was just going to say, mate, something that I've... It, it, just relating to that thing, one, one thing I really... I really like about AFL players these days is, is the genuine care for their opponent. Now, obviously, we, we play a physical game and, and which we all love. And we saw last week with, with Jacko and, and Dicko, you know, good mates going at each other. And then after the game, there they were hugs and, you know, the port supporters cheering Jacko off, which was just fantastic. Um, and But one thing I've noticed the other week, uh, Paddy Ryder... I think it was, he hit a Western Bulldogs or Richmond player. It was a fair hip and shoulder. There's nothing in it. But the Richmond player, I think it was a Melbourne, uh, sorry, a Bulldogs or Richmond player. I can't remember which one. And um, he was a smaller guy. And Paddy went over to him to make sure he was okay. And what I do like in the AFL now, and the same kind of thing happened the other night with Neville Jetta, um, I think, laid a big hit on Lindsay Thomas or something and then went over and sort, made sure he was okay. And I think this is... This is a great part of our game now, the sportsmanship. Yes, they still do hit hard, and we saw the State of Origin last night was just magnificent, you know, these big hits. But then after the game and during the game, they've got that real duty of care for their opponent, which I really think is fantastic. And obviously, we'd never have seen that back in the 80s or 90s. But I think that's one of the best parts about our game these days, and, and all sport for that matter. Absolutely. A bit of compassion doesn't hurt us at all. So uh, we need to have balance. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Charcoal Daddy, last question. Do we think that Marshall, Watts and Dixon can work in the same forward line and do we need to give Paddy a rest before fives? Oh, good question. Yeah, so Paddy, um, Paddy a rest before the finals. I think a lot depends on our position going into the last few games. If we're, you know, looking like we're going to start up a top two position pretty comfortably or a top four position, and we're playing against one of the weaker teams where we have a pretty good chance to win and, and looks like Paddy needs a rest, then rest him. But if we're, you know, playing for a top four berth and it's a must-win game with the last couple of games of the year, then don't rest him because, you know, it's more important to have him on our side because he's so vital to our team. Or you could play him up forward and have Charlie in the ruck. That's another alternative. In terms of what's Dixon... And Marshall on the same side? Yeah, I think they can all play on the same side. I think maybe Watts could play on a wing, like almost like or like a, a role like what Tom Lynch does at the Crows. So, yeah, I definitely think all three of them can play in the team. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, look, I think it's going to be a September special structure. And we're, we're forgetting that we're in the winter component of football now. Uh, we've been blessed like last Friday with amazing conditions. And even the Bulldogs really... Even though it was forecast, it didn't end up that way, and we probably could have got away with those tolls. But we're in that period where an extra small was probably more beneficial than a toll. But I, I wouldn't be surprised come mid-August um, that toll structure of Dixon, Marshall, and Watts, uh, the band is back together. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you don't, you don't want to lose it at the uh, expense of run and carry as well. So. Hey, it's just going to be horses for courses, unfortunately, and who we're playing, and uh, and that's why really squads need to be recognised now in modern football rather than uh, just the 22, because uh, yeah, it's a squad that's going to win a grand final and not just 22 players. 100. percent You've got to have pressure from the guys down the S NFL playing well, and we've seen Amon, Don Barry, and these are the boys racking up the touches. So 
if they keep on doing that, that's great. And obviously, I want to see. I love Jakey Need, and I want to see Jakey Need get more of the footy because he's such a good, you know, tackler and providing that forward pressure. But Lindsay Thomas, I, we didn't mention him, but I thought he actually played a really good game. He didn't get a lot of the footy, but he kicked an important goal. And there's a couple of times where he, you know, he was handballed the ball in situations where um, he was get, he knew he was going to get crunched, but he actually took the hit. There was, and that situation was when Wingard handballed it to him. Um, and then Thomas knocked it on and got absolutely smashed by Jeddah, but it resulted in Robbie Gray with that classy goal. And so that was Lindsay Thomas's goal. And so I thought he actually played really well on Friday night. Yeah, well, Lindsay played great. And I think it really shows, um, even though their disposals are very similar in their gameplay, um, that Thomas just knows where to be at the right times a little bit more than what JDB does. And that's really the difference at the moment between the two players and probably that little bit of extra physicality yes. as well. So, uh, yeah, look, for me, Thomas at the moment is in the best 22. We, we've been crying for that small opportunistic forward and uh, hopefully he'll be our Josh Marnie of 2018. <laughs> let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope he can keep a few goals against the Blues. So just before... We'll let you go and uh, watch your Australian, Australian first dates. Um, two big games this weekend. Port taking on Nord on Sunday at the Adelaide Oval and on sun, uh, Saturday at the MCG, Port taking on the Blues. Both wins, you reckon, uh, for Rick? Yeah, look, the SAFL side's been struggling a little bit. We obviously lack that depth. And, uh, but, yeah, I think, we, I think we're starting to build. So I'm very optimistic we'll beat Carlton 50-plus points build that percentage, and uh, I think we're looking at a different Port Adelaide. I'm on the bandwagon now. Yeah. And, uh, and the Maggies, I think they'll get pretty close. Yeah, I reckon they can beat Nord. They beat Sturt the other week, came from behind and had a good win. So, yeah, if Jack Watts is playing, I reckon he'll bag a few goals, and, and yeah, the Maggies will get the job done as well. Absolutely. Well, mate, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I think we might have to make it a threesome with me, you, and uh, Cam, because you did such a great job tonight. Australian first dates, and uh, we'll hopefully speak again next week or whenever it might be. Cheers, Benno. Speak to you then, mate. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Bye. One last hurrah. Loads up. They need a mark and then a goal. West off almost. Motlock couldn't quite. Enright. Good tackle. Cassisi to win it. Cassisi does win it. Oh!